Hello and welcome to the Young Fabians podcast. I'm your host, Will Barber-Taylor, and in this episode I'm going to be discussing the recent Shadow Cabinet reshuffle with Lauren Davison, who's currently running for the Young Fabians executive, and Kathleen Clark, who's one of the hosts of the Left Wingers podcast. Both interviews were recorded separately rather than jointly, but the same questions were used for each guest, so hopefully... This episode will provide an interesting insight into some of the opinions that people across the Fabians have about the recent reshuffle. Hope you enjoy listening to the episode. Hi, Lauren. Um, Thank you for agreeing to take the time to speak to me. Um, Firstly, what were your initial thoughts on the reshuffle when you heard about it? So I think it was pretty inevitable. It was quite a badly kept secret. People have been talking about it for ages. Um, I'd actually thought it would have already happened by now. I think around the time that the the furore about the two child cap happened, I thought that was when the reshuffle was going to be. Um, but I actually think it was a mistake to do it when he did because obviously the story about all the schools crumbling because of the concrete. I I think it was a real mistake to do it at the same time that was happening and that was landing because it really took a lot of the attention off of what essentially the Tories allowing. British kids to go to school in mm. crumbling buildings. Um, but it is what it is. So before I saw any of the changes, I had a real suspicion that it would be an exercise in taking the party to the right. Mm-hmm. And I do feel there's been a pretty concerted effort to marginalise the soft left in the cabinet, which is a shame. You know, obviously I'm not going to hide the fact that I'm soft left, I'm open labour. Um I understand the temptation from Keir to pack cabinet with allies and people who are ideologically similar to him, but in my point of view, it isn't healthy. And you do need that plurality. I think you do need those people that are willing to challenge, um, you know, not authority, but challenge kind of the orthodoxy of the cabinet. You need people that are willing to bring in fresh ideas and look at things differently. Um, I think that would make some stronger government because even Tony Blair had people that he was diametrically opposed to mm. on issues in his cabinet. So yeah, no, I mean absolutely. I think that leads uh, really well on to the uh, the next question in in regards to the strength of the shadow cabinet now. I mean, how do you think it's looking? Do you think it's looking stronger or or weaker? Um, I would personally say it's looking weaker, um, in part because I think, and this is not going to be a shock to anyone who knows me. But Lisa Landy being admitted um, is a is a huge loss in the levelling up role, which is her bread and butter. Like if you think of Lisa Landy, you think of her commitment to improving towns, infrastructure, buses particularly. And, you know, as much as I love Angela Rayner, because I really do, and I think she'll still be great, I think Lisa Landy being demoted um, is a big mistake. And people are saying it's not a demotion, but let's be real, she was a shadow cabinet, a shadow secretary, now demoted to a junior minister so that is a demotion by literally any metric um you know taking one of our best media performers and communicators and someone who is popular in the red wall um it's not a good idea i mean rayner is obviously the best replacement for her in that role but i'm not happy that she's gone Mm. i'm also very unhappy that john ashworth was shuffled out um and Let's be completely real. I think it's because he opposes the two child cap and benefits. People may have seen I've been working with Labour campaign to end child poverty, and we are pushing a conference motion to demand the party opposes the two child cap. Um, John had obviously referred to it as heinous a matter of months ago, and I think Liz Kendall is replacement based on her previous track record. Um, this is nothing personal, but just based on things she said before. 
I feel as though she'd be pretty happy to toe the party line on this, and that is probably why she's been shuffled in. Um, I also think it was a real blow to lose Rosanna Allen Khan. I feel like I I don't feel there's a good enough reason to get rid of the mental health brief as its own um, entity. Mm. Obviously, it's been I think moved in with women's. I could be wrong. Mm-hmm. I feel like it should have been left on its own. If we really want parity between mental and physical health, that means we can have their own departments in government as well. Um, again, the same reason I wanted Nandi in the fold. She's a pretty good communicator. She's popular. And um, I think, you know, Corbyn got rid of that role as well. Mm. So both leaders have been wrong to get rid of it. It's a really important mm. issue. Um, but being a bit more positive, because I've just completely ripped into the leadership there. Um, I was very pleased to see Hillary Benn appointed as Shadow Northern Irish Secretary. Um, he's very well respected. He's someone who's definitely seen as a safe pair of hands. Also very happy to see um, Louise Haig, Ed Miliband, Johnny Reynolds retain their roles. Because Ed had been briefed about quite widely and like doorsteps and suggestions that he'd get at. So I'm glad he wasn't. Um, Darren Jones is another one. Really good to see him. He's come onto my radar recently. He's completely savaged Tories in the Commons Business Committee. And also Peter Kyle, Emily Thornbury, uh, Chris Bryan, Andrew Gwynn. They're all really good people to have involved, so I'm quite pleased to see that as well. Mm-hmm. Are, are there any other um, changes that you would make to the makeup of the of the Shadow Cabinet if, if you were in charge? What well, I think you've kind of touched upon it a, a bit there, but are there any other sort of changes that you think you would have made? I think more broadly, I'd probably have tried to include others from the left of the party. I mm-hmm. mean, there are obviously tensions at play in the PLP that I'm not privy to and I can understand why the relationships between the different groups might have like soured slightly so I can see maybe why that hasn't happened um I don't like it obviously when one faction has a monopoly on power in the party because I think good ideas come from everywhere it's not about just having your mates in power or having your your faction in power I think one of my biggest changes would have been maybe putting Louise Haig into the shadow justice brief Um, because she's got real world experience of justice. I feel some of the controversial stuff about LGBT inclusive education that Shabana has said hasn't been great. So that would be my main reason for that. I would have kept John Ashworth in post, uh, which I know isn't tenable for Lotto because obviously he's not going to row back on the two-child cap anytime soon, I shouldn't imagine. But if I was Lotto, I would obviously not be keeping that policy. So John being there wouldn't have had an issue, I shouldn't imagine. Um, I also would have probably given Nadia Whittam my women's inequalities brief because I think she's genuinely solid on things, especially things like trans rights, which is mm. a, a big issue of the day. Um, and I probably would have moved Luke Pollard up to Defence Secretary, although from what I gather, John Healy's done a, a fairly good job, so it's nothing personal against him. I just really, really like Luke Pollard. How important do you think the changes to the Shadow Cabinet are to Labour's chances of winning the next election? Do you think that they will have a, an impact or, or not so much? Um, if I'm being honest, I don't think it actually makes much of a difference to people that are not politically engaged, um, unless there's a really divisive figure that people really don't like. The average person is not going to vote Labour because someone's been appointed you know, uh, foreign secretary. It, it, it's not It's not really on the top of the list, I don't think, people's reasonings for voting for a political party. Yeah, no, no, absolutely. Um, comparing 
Keir Starmer's first shadow cabinet to this one. What do you think the changes say about his leadership? I think it says two things. I think one, he's far less interested in party unity because he can afford to just have his closer allies around him. Like we're ahead in the polls. He can afford to be less worried about keeping his MPs on side. Like let's be honest, no one's really going to be able to mount a leadership challenge. The numbers are just not there. Um, I think as well, what I didn't like is there was a lot of briefing against individuals, first Brainer and then Nandy. Um, because, you know, that's friendly fire. It's mm. not okay. And it kind of smacks of a leadership that's threatened by those with a strong base in the party. Um, it also shows the direction of travel since he got elected and where things might go under a Starmer government because he ran on left and soft left policies, completely understands situations change. Um, it comes hard to stick to policy pledges that you've made, you know, two, three years ago especially with a pandemic and an economic crisis, but there is no denying that his reshuffle and his refusal to spend money is a signal of where he's at, where we will be in government. And I saw some people on Twitter saying that the reshuffle was the march of the Blairites, and I think that sums it up pretty perfectly, to be honest. Mm. Absolutely. Um, Well, thank you for taking the time to speak to me, Lauren. If people want to find out more about you, where should they go to find out more about you? Uh, Yeah, if you want to follow me on twitter you can it's lauren d2212 um and also some of the other campaigns i'm involved in the labor for trans rights i'm obviously running for open labor national committee and also running for young fabians national committee and yeah that's pretty much where i do most of my political stuff fantastic thank you once again for coming on thank you Thank you uh, for joining me, uh, Kathleen. Um, The first thing that I'd like to ask is, what were your initial thoughts on the reshuffle when you heard about it? Hi, Will. Thanks for having me on. It's great to be with you. Uh, I'm a big YF podcaster, so delighted to be able to listen to this and also uh, to be on it, which is very, very cool for a little nerd like me. Um, So to speak about my favourite, one of my favourite topics, reshuffles, to talk about this one, to be honest with you, I think everyone in the Labour movement knew that it's been coming for months. And actually, one of the points that I'd make about this reshuffle is it's so late in the day. So we've kind of heard, and I think a lot of people that were just staying, you know, would read regular emails or would be updated with politics would know that we were really expecting that. We were really expecting that reshuffle in January, February. So actually to have it on the first week of September, um, I thought was a really interesting move from the leadership. And that in itself is a sign. Uh, it was quite a strong reshuffle, and the way in which I can kind of, in with which I can tell you that, is because it was done really quickly. So if you look at previous reshuffles that have been done in the past, you're looking at uh, reshuffles taking place over two or three days. These moves were made pretty quickly, so it kind of kicked off at nine thirty ten, and it was pretty much done by one thirty. That means everything that was organised was clearly done in advance, and I think it's. You know, I don't think I'm breaking any confidences to say that I think Angela and Kid maybe had had a chat before that reshuffle happened because that brief really suited Angela and I don't think that that was picked out of a hat necessarily. Mm-hmm. And do you think that in terms of the um, strength of the Shadow Cabinet, looking at it now that it is in a much stronger position now than prior to the reshuffle? I think we're looking at the election team. So... Whether you think the election is coming in May 2024 or October, November 2024, uh, unless something drastic happens to one of those kind of top 15 players, uh, I don't think anything will change. 
So I think you're looking, and even keeping the big four, I actually thought, and just, you know, for people who don't work in politics and are not massive nerds, that's the shadow chancellor, the, the shadow foreign secretary, um, and the, the shadow home secretary, and of course the leader. Um, keeping those, what would be the big four officers of state, I think that that's a sign that he, that Keir is really happy and the leadership is really happy with the big four. Uh, we're not surprised to hear that. No one is surprised because obviously we're so far ahead in the polls. Uh, we're running away with it. So I wasn't, no one was expecting those kind of people to go. But you are seeing promotions of people like Darren Jones. You are seeing promotions of people, um, should be uh, Shabana Mahmood, great example. That's somebody who kicked in behind the leadership early, really supportive, did their job really, really well, or people think they did their job very well. And then they've been promoted. Not surprising. We can't. I think a lot of people in the labour movement knew that was coming for people like her. Um, but actually, in terms of people to look at, if you'd asked me this time last year, I would have said, look at Darren Jones. I would have said, look at Shabana Mahmood and look at Sharon Hodgson. And actually, all of those people have received promotions. Uh, interesting, of course, in the health brief that Rosanna was moved. I thought that was a sign that, uh, and that kind of kickback, I thought that was really the only controversial part of that reshuffle. And of course, what happened to Lisa, which was, uh, you know, very, very sad. But actually, to be honest, I think she'll smash any briefing. I think she'd be a great international development. Uh, she'll be great in that role mm -hmm. next, next year when we're in government. So, you know, I have I have my full confidence in that team. Is it a bunch of Blairites? No, I don't think it is, actually, to be honest with you. I think there are people who have experience in government and those people, and that's really hard to do because remember, we've been, we haven't won an election since 2005. So when, when kind of looking at this team, you're looking at people who have tried, who have experienced outside of, outside of politics in the kind of real world. You can see that with people like Emily Thornbury. You can see that with people like Lisa Nandy. You can see that with people like Pat McFadden. But then you can also see there's people like Darren Jones who are, I think, the right people at the right time. And whatever happens when we go into government, it's not going to be easy. There's a lot of people in the Labour movement who just think, when you get into government, everything we want is going to happen. No, absolutely not. But that is a team that Keir trusts. And he said that the day after in that shadow cabinet meeting. Mm. So that's not, you know, that's just taking from his words there. But I'd be confident with that team. I think that's a big, those are big hitters. Is it the equivalent of the 97 cabinet where you've got people like Alan Johnson, you've got people like Jackie Smith, you've got people like Mo Merlin? No, it isn't. But it's the best that they've got. And actually, the starting 11, or a phrase, I think it's pretty decent. Yeah. So are there any changes if i had to push if there are any changes that you would make to the makeup of the shadow cabinet at all yeah there are um kathleen's fancy cabinet looks very different to keir's fancy cabinet <laughs> um but sure isn't that isn't that the way and it's interesting because i am such a huge political nerd i have had this conversation with a few people i know i think that they're like yvette cooper is so strong in home and i definitely want her to keep, keep there um but steve reed i wouldn't have moved him to defra because it, like his constituency is is Croydon, like there aren't any farms in his constituency, and well, just for example, I mean, I'm sure there is a river and a lake. Like I'm, you know, uh, Croydon's a great place. I'm not at all dissing Croydon, but I'm just saying I would have moved him to something where he's a little bit more tied into his constituency. But I kind of guess, just kind of speaking to people in the party, I guess the reason why they did that was they wanted somebody to be quite strong on that brief and to lead. Um, also, I'd say Hillary Bent in Northern Ireland, brilliant. Like a really, really strong move. I was, I was delighted to see Ben back in the cabinet because he just brings that experience. And actually, the Northern Ireland brief in the next 10, 15 years is going to be really spicy. Um, so that, like, lots to watch there. And I think a lot of times with foreign policy, we look out to the world and we don't look to our neighbours. 
what kind of importance would you place on the makeup of the shadow cabinet in terms of Labour winning the next election? How important do you think it is? It's a part of the it's a part of the formula and a part of the equation. Mm-hmm. It's not everything yeah. by every stretch of the imagination. I think when it comes to winning an election, uh, you know, I often say, and this is, I know I upset people in the Labour movement when I say this, but the Conservatives are in government and they've been in government for such a long time. And I think it's it's getting people, not necessarily people who listen to the YF podcast by any stretch of the imagination, as great as they are, but people who would vote Conservative or did vote Conservative, it's about them saying, actually, enough is enough. We need to give these guys a chance. And I think... Winning, winning that, and the next year is really about pushing that. Yes, the Conservatives are doing badly, and here's what we can do better. And you know, I think there's a lot of talk of the Westminster Village and the, the bubble, and I'll happily admit that I do listen to that a huge amount. But actually, if you're thinking about, you know, if you if you went to Brendan and Bristol, for example, and you said name five members of Shadow Cabinet, I bet she'd do Kitty, and I bet she'd do Angela, and I think she'd probably stop there, which is, you know, great for you know people that aren't obsessed with uh, politics like us, but. You know, you have to take that into account when you think about normal people that are worried about cost of living crisis, paying their bills, food, putting, you know, literally putting shoes on the kids' feet, whether the whether the kids can even go to school because of the crisis in uh, RAC. Um, so it's not it's not hugely important, but actually, I think after we win, hopefully we do. Don't take it obviously, don't take it granted. But I think that first hundred days, we're going to see a huge amount of work from that shadow cabinet. So I think it's just about owning the brief. That kicks off a conference. That kicks off with every single one of those people that's been promoted. Needs to stand up on that stage in Liverpool in a few weeks' time and needs to smash it out of the park. And if they're able to do that, you've got yourself a really nice start to what will be a really intense year. And then we'll see. Ask me again this time next year. I'll be sure to. Um, Please do. I do. It's always good to hear. I, I find all this stuff really interesting. It's really good to hear about what people say and then what actually happens. Yeah, no, Absolutely. In terms of comparing this shadow cabinet to Keir's first shadow cabinet, what do you think that the changes say about his leadership and the changes in politics since that first shadow cabinet? Okay. Uh, you're trying to catch me out here, Will. That's okay, because I see you coming. Um, there are huge changes, but the party has changed, the country has changed, the world has changed, and not to sound like a broken record taken off Labour Party HQ, but there was a pandemic and I think it changed a lot of people. I know it definitely changed my life. I'm sure it's changed everyone who's listening to this. Uh, it's changed their lives and their perspective on the world. The economic disaster, because that is what it is, that Liz Truss, that Boris Johnson, that Rishi Sunak has left this country is so appalling that I don't think I will have a better quality of life than my parents. And I could tell you for sure that my parents had a better quality of life than, their, than my grandparents or their parents or their parents. So we could be the first generation in potentially hundreds of years to have a worse quality of life than what we would previously have. Um, and I think it's things like that that you, you've got to start thinking about this kind of stuff. So no, there has, there, of course there has been changes. I wouldn't for sure deny that. But what I would say is they have to look to the future and we have to be really realistic about solving problems. And I'm really going to be curious to see those first 100 days what actually happens. I think a lot of people project things onto Starmer that aren't necessarily the case. And we will definitely see the real Keir Starmer stand up in those first 100 days at conference because the budget's going to hit and then like it's going to be... If you work in Downing Street, I've spoken to many people that do, it is just, you just event all the time. Things are happening every day and you've just got to be able to deal with it. I think you will, 
Um, but we'll definitely, I think, see a lot more about him and how he handles his kind of his team, his shadow cabinet, the party as a whole, and how that all works together. So, you know, you know, I guess the shadow cabinet is important. I guess all that thing does come into play, but let's have a look when he actually gets in. We're standing at that door at number 10. And hopefully it's a Labour majority. That's what I'm campaigning for. Well, I'm sure you're out on the doorstep. I'm sure everyone listening is. Um, but let's see, let's see what happens. I've I've a lot of confidence in him. I think I think he'll do well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking the time to speak to me, Kathleen. Um, if people want to find out more about you, where should they go to find out more about you? Um, if you want to find out more about me, you can have a look at my Twitter. That's at Kathleen C. Bit of a weird spelling. Um, and then, of course, I try and post every day as much as possible. Uh, I have a podcast called The Left Wingers where we have a bit of a whinge about whatever, whatever is going on in the week with some other young people. Um, and of course, I'll be at Labour Party conference. I'll be the one running around really stressed, so you'll know that it's me. Uh, just come over and say hi because I love I love meeting YFers. They're actually a really brilliant bunch of people. I'm sure many people listening will take you up on that very kind invitation. Thank you once again for taking the time to, to speak to me. <laughs> Thanks, Will. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Young Fabians podcast. If you want to find out more about the podcast, make sure to check us out on Twitter at YF Podcast. That's at YF Podcast. Or look at our page on the Young Fabians website. If you go on publications, scroll down on the drop down menu, you'll see a page for the podcast. And if you want to suggest someone to appear on the podcast or suggest a topic or even want to come on yourself, then get in touch at podcast at youngfabians.org.uk that's podcast at youngfabians.org.uk thank you for listening to this episode of the podcast i hope you listen to the next one